0: A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night
1: where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Hey everybody. Quentin Deep here with you on Listen Up. We're right about Game time for Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Let's hope it goes smoother than the Home Run Derby last night. I mean, the Home Run Derby was exciting. I don't mean to say that it wasn't, but uh, I mean, good Lord. You know, why even have rules? Uh, it's ridiculous. And You can't count the number of home runs. Uh, it's, it's a joke. I didn't even realize this until this morning. I, I had no idea how many people bet on the Home Run Derby So if you're going to allow gambling in sports, which now is becoming more and more prevalent, let me ask you a question. Why would you not follow the rules? Why would you allow a home run to count that was clearly after time expired? Right? Why? I I don't understand that. I do not understand that. And last night, it was a joke, okay? And when I mean it was a joke, I'm talking about after I – didn't, I didn't pay close attention to it, I guess is what I'm saying, until I woke up today. And then I read Darren Ravel's treat, and then I did a couple of more – you know, I spent 10, 15 minutes looking at stories about the controversy with the Home Run Derby. I mean, what the hell – what is going on with Major League Baseball? Seriously. I mean, I don't understand and I don't bet, but I'll tell you right now, had I lost money because major league baseball did not enforce the rules of the home run derby. Yeah. I would be pissed to say the least. So was it a fair competition? No, it wasn't fair. It did. did the fact that they didn't follow the rules change the outcome of the home run derby? Yeah, it did. So you know, tonight we've got the All-Star game. Personally, I'm not going to spend a lot of time watching it. I do think the Major League Baseball All-Star game is the best of the bunch. It's certainly a hell of a lot better than the NBA All-Star game. The Pro Bowl and football is a joke. And the Hockey All-Star weekend, you know, again, it's nothing to get excited about. Major League Baseball All-Star game is pretty good. Pretty good. So you got that going for you, but it doesn't excite the hell out of me personally, but I want to hear from you. Hit your hand icon, raise your hand, uh, and we will do it again. The uh, all-star game in Chavez Ravine, I guess, you know, as we look at the second half of the baseball season, there are a few things that remains, you know, that have to be settled. There are a couple of divisions that are already over. It almost looks like in the American League, it's a foregone conclusion that the Yankees and the Astros will meet for the ALCS. Uh, As a diehard Yankees fan, I will just tell you, I would think the Astros would win that. I think they have a better all-around team. I'm not sold on the Yankees' ability to put the ball in play. You know, in the National League, I mean, the Dodgers had the best team. All right? When you look at their roster, they've got the best team. You know, what about the Mets? Obviously, a couple of other teams in the National League that you look at and go, okay, I could see them maybe getting the job done. So that's the second half of the season. I did my podcast today on the Summer League MVP, Keegan Murray and the Kings. And here's the point I wanted to make. I know it's only July 19th and we still have a ways to go before training camp opens. But I talked about how Keegan Murray is going to be a good NBA player. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I don't know if he's going to be an all-star, maybe, but he's going to be good. Like, you you just can't watch the kid play and come to any other conclusion than that. He's going to be a good player. Now, the question is, as the Kings roster exists today, are they good enough to make the playoffs? And I'm not so sure unless you tell me, that De'Aaron Fox is going to start playing like a Max-type player. If De'Aaron Fox does not play up to his capabilities, or let me put it to you this way, does not become more consistent, then my answer would be probably not. I used San Antonio and I knocked them out of the top 10. I put the Lakers into the top 10. I put a question mark next to the Jazz because we don't know yet what they're doing with Donovan Mitchell. So I put a question mark next to them. And I put a question mark next to New Orleans, who really had a nice finish to the year. And that was without Zion Williamson being on the floor. The reason why I put a question mark next to the Pelicans is, I don't know if Zion Williamson is going to play or not this year. In other words, I don't know how many games he's going to play, but if he can play 65 or 70 games, then I would probably say that New Orleans is a little bit better than Sacramento. But again, I have a question mark next to them because I just don't know. So are the Kings a top 10 team in the West talent-wise? Probably. Probably. Are they top 8? Not my opinion. Are they 9 or 10? Yes. Is Portland right in the mix there at 9 and 10? Yes. But again, until I know what the Jazz are going to do with Mitchell and whether Zion Williamson is going to be on the floor, it's really tough to say. You know, I mean, I think it's safe to say that the Kings aren't better than Phoenix. They're not better than Memphis. You know, they're not better than Golden State, right? Dallas, I think, is going to take a little step back without Brunson, but let's see how they fill out their roster. You know, as long as Luka Doncic is on the floor, they're going to be pretty good. To me, they're not better than Minnesota. To me, they're not better than Denver. So that's six teams right there. I think the Lakers are a playoff team this year without even knowing what the roster is going to look like. That's seven. The Clippers are better than the Kings. You know, to me, that's eight. Minnesota is better than the Kings. To me, that's nine. So well, that, that's how I'm looking at the West, okay? That's how I'm looking at the West. What do you think now that we have eight weeks before training camp opens or nine weeks? And here's the other deal. You know, Monty McNair, the Sacramento general manager, you know, has made it very clear that he's not done making moves. And so you, you could have a roster that looks different, you know, on opening night than it looks right now. So those are a couple of the topics I want to throw out at you today. If you want to come on the show, you hit your hand icon, raise your hand, and and I will put you uh, right up on stage. If you gambled on the Home Run Derby last night, I would love to hear from you, because I would love to know if what happened in the controversy cost you money. Now, I know it probably also put money in some people's pockets. From what I understand, the casino's made out pretty well, because Schwarber was a big-time favorite over pool holes, but I would love to know... If it affected you, did it affect you last night? Again, Major League Baseball All-Star game beginning in just a little bit. And you have a Clayton Kershaw, you know, mob scene. What I mean, mob scene, I'm talking about, you know, the, it's going to get unconditional love. So the stars are in L.A. They're all out. All right. It is the 92nd Midsummer Classic. How about that for you? 92nd. 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 All right. Let's get the show rolling with Jeff here, and then we'll get to some more phone calls. Hey, Jeff, how are you today?
2: Good, Grant. How are you? I'm good, buddy. I like the uniforms tonight, at least. They look pretty good. Well, that's Uh, a start. Yeah. You know, hey, I was watching the Derby, and I, I, I think, I, uh, I, I think there's little shenanigans going on. From what I was looking, it looked like they wanted pull holes in there, and uh, Schwarber was the number two guy betted on to win it. Uh, yep. So he by the you know by the the books, and they cheated him out of his home run to tie him to go to a tiebreaker. So I you know, I didn't bet anything. I, I you know I do fan duel. I've got a couple lineups tonight. I think Trey Turner's gonna have a good game because he's at home and he's just been hot lately. But uh yeah, that I think that was pathetic. I think they were from watching it, I think they were favoring pool hulse because of the Hall of Fame thing and he, he just couldn't muster up a long shot. He couldn't get any additional time. He couldn't yeah, I guess you gotta hit one like four fifty or so to get an extra minute and he just he was just barely scraping the you know getting it over the wall. So uh you know all that being said, that's it. But I wanted to go into uh seeing Dusty tonight. I think you've met him and talked about it. I uh, you know, I'm not a big Astros fan because of you know their shenanigans. But I want Dusty, you know, and I want him to win a tie I want him to win a I want him to win a World Series. You know I we, do too We played the Angels, and he screwed up by taking Ortiz out, you know, against the Angels and shit. They had that goddamn rally monkey thing going on, you know, whatever. They had that uh, unnamed guy. I forgot his name, got the home run or whatever he did. was just like a 250 hitter or like a second baseman or something that hit a home run. He did something that just – I mean, Grant – I had the champagne and everything. I swear to God, I jinxed it. I had the, I bought the champagne. We had a big lead. You know, I've been a fan since 1961. My dad was Willie Mays' mechanic. I sat in Willie's car to say, hey kid, his pink imperial, and I was so excited. And he, and Dusty took out Ortiz and he brought in the bullpen as, oh Jesus. You know, there goes, and sure enough, but, you know, I can't complain. They did win three, but I'm pulling for Dusty. Anyway.
1: I am, too. By the yeah. way, if you uh, want to hear a great podcast, go back to December of 2020 and listen to my podcast with Dusty Baker. It's one of my favorites.
2: Uh, I'll do that. I was on your website today uh, uh, catching up on some stuff on your yeah. rant, rant with LeBron and everything. Um and you also mentioned one time you ran into him. He was sitting in a bar or something. You were with somebody. I forgot that story, but yeah,
1: you know, I mean, um, Eric Burns and I yeah, talked you know, about that. You- I mean, I've known Dusty. I've known Dusty for a long time. I used to, you know, I knew Dusty's father. Um, again, go back and listen to that podcast in December of 2020. I, th- I think you're going to really enjoy it.
2: I- I'm going to do that. The last thing I want to talk about, is you probably know, is this goddamn you know this thing about uh, nominating the swimmer the transgender swimmer i know it's a touchy subject and i don't know
1: Leah it, Thomas
2: yeah, yeah. It's, you know it's a
1: disgrace it's a it, joke and listen I, you know how i, I, feel, I feel about so, this I, I it's a joke it's an absolute joke
2: i know you have friends with a transgender listener and i've heard her talk before she's a really nice person and i don't have she anything, is. i don't have anything against them uh you know or i'm not biased or you know i'm not i'm I'm not a bigot but gosh darn it that you know they're clearly in an advantage and these poor female athletes they can't say anything i've seen fox news did a story on it they say they can't say anything because if they say anything on social media once they get out of college because they can't turn pro that'll be held against them in job interviews saying they're bigoted or they're racist so that correct their their hands are tied they can't speak up uh there's been a few speak i think i sent you there's a, been a few that have spoken up that's not in college y- anymore but uh one of them is
1: martina navratilova all right she came out against it all right and there have been many others listen i'm with you be happy life is short be be happy if if you want to you know uh change your gender go ahead be happy but the fact that the ncaa nominated leah thomas for woman of the year is a travesty it's it's just it's 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 just awful it's just awful it's terrible and i don't know how anyone and listen i don't know how anyone can objectively and i don't care whether you're transgender i don't care if you're lesbian gay i don't care what religion you are i really i don't see how anyone can look at this story and go wow you know what That's great. Leah Thomas was nominated
2: for the NCAA one of the year.
1: I don't know. Anybody can look at this story and say, well, that's really good.
2: I I know it's just ridiculous. I mean, I I feel so sorry for these girls. I mean, you know, I have I have daughters that are athletes and they're still playing golf. They're still competing in soccer, volleyball. I mean, competitive. They go to they go to Reno. They play in tournaments. They travel all over. They're in their 30s, but they travel. They play co-ed. They play in Women's League and Chico, Marysville, Yuba City. They travel Sacramento. They go all over. Yeah, I got
1: you. I got you. I got you. And, yep.
2: And, and, you know, and they've worked. They've worked I've seen my – I coached them, and they worked their asses. I mean, I watched my girls play in college for Yuba College. You know, they were ranked number two in the state. My daughter held the record for Marysville High School for seven seven goals in one game uh uh, you
1: know so your point is this your point is this you want you want fair competition okay you want the playing field fair when the sporting event starts and clearly that was not the case with leah thomas this year the fact that the ncaa is nominating her as woman of the year is outrageous and and i and i'm i'm happy there are those that have come out against this and again this has nothing to do with me being no. uh, anti just like you are, listen. As I said, be happy. Life is short. If you want to no. change your gender, I'm all for it. Go for it. But no. but this is just the NCAA is just a disgrace. It really is. It's a disgrace. You,
2: you know, and I, my brother is gay. My I have a uh, have a gay grandson, so I'm very familiar with all this. But m- but I also have daughters that I've coached up. And I'm telling you, if I, if, and they've got scholarships to college, you know, and they went on to play in all the way up through college, uh, you know, and uh, for state titles and things of this nature. I mean, you know, advanced. Jeff, I got it. I got it. I got it. Jeff, I got it. I got it. I understand where you're going.
1: You, I, you, all right, I get you. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, listen, I don't mean to be rude here. I completely understand where you're going. I don't want to hear about the entire story of your family. I completely respect you. No, you know I, how much I, I care about you. All well, I'm saying we, is you and I are on the same do, page, so let's move what's on. Gonna ha,
2: what's going what's gonna to happen, Grant? What's going to happen? Well,
1: I'll tell you what's going to happen, Jeff. I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. Our country is continue to go down this path of wokeness and absurdity, and this is what the new wave of our country, this is where it's all heading. Okay? This is where we're heading. That's where we're heading.
2: Pathetic. All right, it is pathetic, Jeff. It's pathetic, Jeff. I'm upset to be tied. I'm sorry. I got. I'll let you. Go. No,
1: you, you. enjoy the game tonight, Jeff. All right, sir. Appreciate it. Take care. Step into the world of power loyalty No necessary. by law. Plus terms and apply. See website for details. Uh, again, I, I don't, I don't see how anyone can look at being NCAA nominating Leah Thomas for Woman of the Year and think that's just fine. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. And if I'm offending, you know, Sarah, who I've developed a friendship with, uh, then you know, I'm sorry. You know, I I don't mean to offend anybody. I'm just giving you my opinion. And I think it's a travesty. I I think it's very clear that her competition this year in the NCAA was not on equal footing. It was not fair. There have been many that have come out against it, including fellow competitors. And it's just a joke. Now, 577 athletes, student athletes, have been nominated for the award, all right? So if you're not familiar, she won the 500 free at the Division I Championships. She was All-American recognition in the 100 and 200 free. She won Ivy League Championships. She set school records in five women's events this past season. And I'm glad that the Caitlyn Jenners of the world have come out against this. And I'm talking about coming out against her competing in NCAA swimming. I'm glad that Martina Navratilova has come out against her nomination for the NCAA. I, I, I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. I do not understand it. All right. If you want to get in on the show today, hit your hand icon raise your hand uh, and we will do it. All right? We'll do it. we got a lot to talk about. If you want to talk about the Derby, you want to talk about the Kings, All-Star Game, you know, whatever it is that you want to talk about. All right? To me, when I look at the Major League All-Star break, it's a lot later this year because of the lockout. All right? So, you know, we're talking about an all-star game that is late in the month, later in the month, I should say, and uh, Clayton Kershaw for the Dodgers and the National League. I, I guess the question is, and I asked Eric Burns this today about Kershaw starting tonight. Should Clayton Kershaw be the starting pitcher? This is not a lifetime achievement award, and I'm not intimating that Clayton Kershaw is not a a very good pitcher. All right? Uh, I'm just asking, is he deserving of starting tonight's game this year for the National League? All right, let's get to uh, some more phone calls here. Thank Jeff for his call, and we are now going to get to Ryan. Hey, Ryan, how are you today?
3: Doing well. How you doing Grant? I'm good. Excellent. Hey, uh, I I didn't realize Dick (laughs) Dick Vavetta and uh, Mr. Donaghy switched over to MLB for a little uh, part-time work. That was ridiculous.
1: You caught me off guard. I don't even know what you're referring to. Tim Donaghy, Dick Vavetta, or Vavetta. Yeah, I know Dick Vavetta and Tim Donaghy. What did they do? I, I was joking around that they were on the field last night. Oh, oh, the, oh, 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 I'm derby. sorry. Oh, <laughs> You see, you lost me because I was thinking about the conversation I just had with Jeff regarding uh, Leah Thomas. And you throw that. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah. Well, could you believe that last night, Ryan? Seriously? I mean, can you no. believe what? Why? Ryan, why have rules? I mean, there's a million dollars on the line for the winner of the home run derby. Millions and millions and millions of dollars. I didn't know this, Ryan, until this morning when I started getting on social media and, and the internet, and I first saw it by Darren Revelle of the Action Network. I didn't understand, I didn't know this, Ryan. Do you know that more money is bet on the Home Run Derby than on the actual All-Star game? I did not,
3: but it doesn't surprise me. I mean, it, it, it that's a bigger problem, Grant. Let, let's kind of dive into that. I mean, if you're betting sure. on Home Run Derby, I mean, you're chasing and what's your stance on, you know, how much run gambling is getting out on major sports talk networks, major networks, where we're going. I mean, I don't think there's an issue with it if it's legal, but you know, I, I just, sure. Am I going to throw a wager down here and there? Absolutely. But you know, the home run derby, no. And
1: you know, yeah, but wait a minute. Let me stop you there. What's the difference between that or betting on a football game or betting on anything else? I mean, you isn't gambling all chance? What's the difference between betting on the home run derby and going to a casino and playing blackjack? I mean, gambling is gambling. That's why it's called gambling. I don't really think, you know, Ryan, look at how many people bet on preseason football. Can you imagine betting on preseason football? Think about that for a minute. Think about the amount of money that is bet on preseason football in the National Football League. And you're like, whoa, how, you know, People are, people gamble on what time the sun rises in the morning. You know, I mean, that's just the society we live in.
3: But that's the problem. Exactly. You make a good point. I mean, it's going to get to a point where it's out of control and can ruin lives for some people. And obviously you have a choice to gamble or not. Okay. And there's always that little disclaimer after any ad that, you know, hit up 1-800-GAMBLER.com. Anonymous, right for help, you know, and they they know that there's going to be problems there. I mean, I I do grant draw a distinction. Yes, you're correct. Gambling is gambling. But there is a line in the sand. If you're betting on these props and in-game bets, you know, that that means you might have a little bit of a problem. So, um, you know, the Schwarber stuff and the million dollars, a million dollars is peanuts to most of these guys. MLB, made way more money last night off of Pujols advancing. And there was no guarantee he was going to, but the money they made off that's far more than what, you know, the players are thinking about. So it's, it's really weird to me. And I also have to move on to another contention. You really think the MLB all-star game is the best all-star game?
1: Compared to the NBA, the uh, NFL, And the NHL, I don't even think it's close. I don't think it's even close because it's the closest of a real game. The NBA All-Star game is nowhere near a real game. The Pro Bowl is is like, it's so embarrassing they're probably going to get rid of it. And the NHL All-Star game is similar to the NBA All-Star game. It's not really, uh, it's not the way the game's played. Whereas the Major League All-Star game, is pretty much a regular baseball game for, for all intents and purposes. There's really not a big difference between watching the All-Star game and watching a regular season game. To a degree.
3: Um, I've never watched an NHL All-Star game, so I can't really speak to that. The Pro Bowl needs to go away. But I feel like the NBA All-Star game's gotten pretty exciting in the last few years. And I feel like a lot of the tweaks they've made, MLB is trying to make. Look at you know, what they're going to do if they go into extra innings. It's going to be a home run derby. And I, I, I don't know. Baseball, I think there is a little bit of showmanship more than, you know, in the MLB All-Star game where, you know, guys are maybe throwing a softball here and there. But, you know, with the basketball and the NBA, they're going out there. It, it, it is what it is. They're actually really competing now, but you're also getting to see that fun side of the game and you're getting to see players personalities because they're playing with guys that they're friends with and they don't normally play with and i i truly believe that's the most exciting one out there
1: okay well i for one i don't watch the nba all-star game anymore i stopped watching the nba all-star game about 10 years ago i don't think i've watched more than two or three possessions in 10 years because i just can't stand the way the game is played to me it's not even close to the representation of real basketball, but that's just me and my opinion. Uh, but the baseball game, all right. For instance, you got Shohei Ohtani who just let off and got a base hit against Clayton Kershaw. Okay, you got Kershaw who's pitching, uh, and there would be no difference the way he's pitching in a game during the regular season as opposed to tonight. And you got Ohtani. There's no difference in his approach to coming up against Kershaw than there would be if they were playing in a regular game. I, I just I like that aspect. Of the Major League All Star Game again, I think it's as close as to the real deal as any of the games. But here's what we do, and we can agree on: it's all for entertainment, right? I mean, that's why they have these games. Right. It, it's for entertainment. So, so let me ask you this:
3: most of the fans, and maybe other people, can chime in on this. When you think MLB All Star Weekend, do you think or All Star Week?
1: Do you think the game or Home Run Derby? I think the game, um, I am not, I'm older. I'm not in the, I like the way the home run derby is now with a, a, a clock as opposed to number of swings. And, you know, I thought it took forever, you know, now with that said, I think the most exciting thing I've ever seen in the home run derby was Josh Hamilton at Yankee stadium. Uh, that display on that night was just absolutely incredible. That was my favorite year of the Home Run Derby, but I like the way it is now compared to the way it used to be, but to me, if you told me I could only watch the Home Run Derby or the game, I'm probably going to watch the game, and I'm not crazy about either. I'm not into All-Star games that much or All-Star this or that. Uh, I know I'm probably in a minority based on what I just said. More people gamble on the Home Run Derby than they do on the All-Star game, but I would say probably people... Want to see the derby more than the game?
3: Yeah, I, well, it's a different crowd, Grant. I mean, not everybody yes, can afford a ticket to the All-Star Game, but you know, getting into the Homer and Derby, and I'm not saying that's any cheaper, you know, significantly cheaper. It, it's more of a real crowd. You, you, the All-Star Games, the Super Bowls, the, those are all corporate crowds. There's no doubt about it. So it's exciting to see people running after baseballs and cheering up and down and jumping up and down. Cause you don't see that. Like, I, I would be surprised if you see that tonight because, you know, you will have your hardcore baseball fans that will be there, especially Dodgers fans because it's in L.A., But it's, I don't know, it's just a little bit more nostalgic and it's a little bit more fun. Baseball is such a long season that you don't, it's the one exhibition that you get to see where the players are kind of loosened up and they're just having a really good time out there. But, you know, Home Run Derby screws up a lot of players' swings, too. We've heard that many times. Yes, it does.
1: That's correct. I mean, Aaron Judge, for instance, not in the Home Run Derby. Why? I think that's one of the reasons, you know, I mean... um, you know who i mean can you imagine aaron judge in the home run derby based on the year he's having but no he's not in the home run he wasn't in the home run derby so you know listen i I get it i understand the end of the day it's all for made for tv it's a made for tv event uh it promotes the sport it gets the it gets people interested in the game that maybe when i mean the game the sport that maybe would not ordinarily be interested in you know all of a sudden you watch the home run derby and you're like, gee, who's this kid from Seattle? I, I don't watch the Mariners. Who's this? You know what I mean? So it yep. it 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 helps the game. There's no question about that.
3: Did did you almost feel bad for Albert Pujols last night towards
1: the end of it? Uh, well not not really. I, I thought that the reaction from the fellow competitors was genuine, authentic, uh, organic. I mean, all of the, I thought it was great. And I think that to me is what I took out of the home run derby last night, the respect and the admiration for a guy that's had, you know, a hell of a career more so than what actually happened with the swings. That's, that's what I took. That's what I saw last night. That's what I took from the home run derby.
3: I think that's what it was all about. I mean, I, am not going to lie. I did feel bad for him. You, You could tell that, you know, he's not at that same level as the other guys, but to have that opportunity, to get that respect and be around the guy, those guys and obviously get knowledge from Albert, yep. passed along to those guys, That that's what it's all about. And I don't know about you, I don't know how there's more or there's not more neck injuries in MLB with the size of some of those chains those guys are wearing. It is. I don't enough. understand
1: how you, I, well, I, I don't understand. I've said this before, okay? I don't understand uh, baseball players that wear chains of that magnitude I, I've never understood that. I, I I've talked about it for years and years and years and years. I do not understand how that is not real bothersome when you're running, swinging, pitching, throwing a baseball. I've I've never quite understood that. I really don't. I do not understand that.
3: I I can't imagine going on a mild jog wearing something like that.
1: No, no. But I mean, it, I, I I've I've always wondered that. I just do not. It's never made sense to me. I've never understood it. I really don't – I don't understand how that doesn't drive uh, these players crazy.
3: It, 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 it's for show. And I think they get used to it after a certain amount of time, but that's just my assumption. I've never talked to an MLP player, so I don't know for sure. Um, I don't know if you have other callers. I was going to talk about the Kings a little bit. Uh, yeah, you know, go ahead. A bit more time so um you talked about monty possibly making some more moves what do you think with what's left on the market right now would be the best move for the kings in terms of shipping somebody out and getting somebody in
1: well when you say based on what's available on the market i am more inclined to think that it's going to be via trade than what is available on the market so that's a very difficult question uh, to answer. I believe that now after watching Murray, I don't think there's really any question that he's going to be a good NBA player. Again, is he going to be great? I'm not ready to go there yet, but I think that, I think if the draft were held all over again right now, and the Kings selected Keegan Murray, I think Kings fans would be ecstatic. Do you agree on that?
3: Oh, hundred percent.
1: And I was the opposite.
3: Okay. I called drafting and I was upset yep. that we got
1: it. I mean, so you know, with the, uh, I know I keep on hearing Harrison, Burn, uh, Harrison Barnes' name because I think there are teams out there that are looking at him, and we've heard rumors about him being moved in the past. I've already, I think you and I have discussed this. If not, uh, uh, forgive me. I would trade if I could get a trade for De'Aaron Fox. I would trade De'Aaron Fox. I would unload his salary. Uh, I would hand the keys over to Davion Mitchell and get another uh, veteran point guard to assist, and I would groom him with a young Murray. You have Sabonis, who's in his prime. I am just not sold on De'Aaron Fox for being the guy that is going to take the Kings to, let's say, a fifty-win plateau. I, I'm skeptical, and I, I hope I'm wrong. And I've always rooted for the guy, although I was hard on him last year because I thought he was unprofessional. Uh, I thought his actions, uh, particularly in the first half of the season, were just wrong. Uh, The Kings opened up the bank vault for him. They made a commitment to him. I thought his attitude, his demeanor, uh, his lack of assertiveness on the court was glaring, and I called him out for it. You know, it just was unacceptable in my opinion. But his free throw shooting, which is still in the low 70s, his three-point shooting last year, which was 29%. You're not going to win in the NBA. And by winning, I'm not talking about a championship, Ryan. I'm talking about where you can be a legitimate top eight team and, and maybe in the top four. You're not going to win with that shooting percentage from your NBA point guard. And, oh, yeah, by the way, his defense was horrible last year, too.
3: So twofold question, and I, I do agree with a lot of what you said. With, with De'Aaron, then why are we – or what does Monty see then? I mean, he's hit on the three draft picks. You always talk about yes. sample size. And yes, we've had this conversation yeah. before. But why are we bringing in Monk? We're building around De'Aaron. Sabonis, you're building around De'Aaron. So one, what do you see? What do you think is going to change at this point? And two, would you take a discount to get him off the roster and you know, try to get somebody else that may be a better fit as a role player?
1: Well, I don't necessarily know if I would say that they got DeMontis Sabonis to build around Fox. You know, to me, if I have Sabonis, I'm building around him. Okay, I'm building around Sabonis, who's very young, is just entering his prime, and is a two, t- two-time all-star. He's still the King's best player, not the Aaron Fox. So I didn't look at it as you know, they're building around Fox. I look like we're getting a two-time all-star who's young and we're going to build around him. Um, you know, Monty gave De'Aaron Fox a max deal, thought he was worthy of that. And quite frankly, he has not lived up to that billing. I think De'Aaron fools people because he's so uh, such a freakish athlete. And there are stretches such as last year for a couple of weeks where you're like, oh my gosh, you know. But then it disappears. And I am concerned about a player that's got five years of NBA experience under his belt who's still largely inconsistent. That is a big concern for me if I'm looking at – that would be the equivalent, Ryan, of an NFL quarterback who looks really good for a couple of games. And then all of a sudden you're like, what the hell happened to him, right? Well, I don't want that in my NFL quarterback. I want my NFL quarterback to be consistent week to week to week. Why? Because he's the most important element of my team. And if he's inconsistent, in all likelihood, my team's going to be inconsistent. It's the same thing in the NBA with a point guard.
3: No doubt. I, I, I. The thing that disappointed me. So De'Aaron, you know, like you said, he can blow you away, watching him play at certain times, and then you can think, how can he be so good and play so bad? And yes. he always, he's always been very positive for the most part, but. You know, when Halliburton came in, that was a really weird situation. And you notice, Grant, and we've talked about this before, he played much better. And some people say it's going to – well, when Halliburton left, I should say. But when Sabonis came in, De'Aaron played much better. So there can be an argument that Sabonis was the reason for that, but I think there was something more than that. And, you know, to move Halliburton at that time with, you know, his salary – and bringing in an all-star i i get it but I, I feel like grant they're they're putting all the chips on the table for De'Aaron, and that is their god regardless it, it's just how i feel well monty, you know I mean? McNair,
1: monty mcnair's future with the kings depends on De'Aaron fox okay and here's the other issue and i think you would agree with this if if and i always say if if tyrese halliburton ends up being an all-star and a franchise-type player for the Indiana Pacers, Sabonis better be more than just an all-star. You understand? He better be a guy that can lead you to 50-plus wins every year, or that's going to look at, regardless of how good Keegan Murray may be, that's going to be looked upon as another huge blunder by the Sacramento Kings. All right? Now, I don't have a crystal ball any more than you do, but you and I both know that that's what would happen.
3: So do you – let me ask you this. Assuming there was a, you know – conflict behind the scenes between De'Aaron and Tyrese and not direct conflict because the media would have caught on to that immediately but just in terms of you know plays going through Tyrese instead of De'Aaron how's that going to play out if Keegan becomes the guy do you think we're going to see the same De'Aaron in the same situation if Keegan is the guy they go to at the end of the game
1: Uh, I I personally think the issue with De'Aaron, first of all, was more with Buddy than with Tyrese Halliburton. Buddy's very hard to play with. Buddy is a very difficult person, and I'm I'm saying this, and I'm a Buddy Heald fan. He's a very difficult guy to play with. He's a very uh, different cat, so to speak. And he is not easy to play with, and you have to put up with a lot when you play alongside Buddy Heald. So I actually believe that De'Aaron was more happy to see Buddy Heald leave uh, than Tyrese Halliburton. Now, with that said, again, the Kings have made a financial commitment to De'Aaron Fox, and it's really up to De'Aaron Fox to figure it all out, more so than the Kings and who they put around him. So I think you bring up a very good que- a, a good point, but if, <laughs> you know, do I think the Kings wanted Tyrese Halliburton on the team instead of De'Aaron Fox? Yes, I do. I just don't believe that trade was out there, Ryan. I really don't. And I think, again, the amount of money that Fox makes, his durability, which, again, he played in 59 games last year, and his inconsistent shooting makes it challenging. I don't want to say impossible. Makes it challenging to trade him. That's how I look at that situation. More so than Tyrese Halliburton this or Tyrese Halliburton that. I do believe that not having Buddy around, De'Aaron, he probably enjoyed more when I mean enjoyed. That was probably his preference.
3: Buddy was such you're you're right about buddy. And I mean, you have more insight than I do, but he was a confounding player because there's times like it's to me, he was out for himself and, you know, just hucking stuff up. And then there's other times where he's hustling his butt off on the court on defense and, you know, doing just some little things, but he would have those knucklehead mistakes as well at the same time. So, it, it, let's say this your money what percentage of Dearon's contract to get him out and clear the books and move forward what percentage do you think the kings or you would pay to move on and what do you think out of what he's being paid just in general do you think he's like you know Sixty percent of what he's worth, seventy percent of what he's worth on paper.
1: Well, he's he's first of all, I can't I can't tell you what percentage I would uh, I would pay, but I would say this: he's making, I believe, this year thirty million dollars. All right, and his contract escalates uh, over time, so he's getting paid thirty million dollars this year. To me, he's nowhere above a twenty million dollar player, in my opinion. That's how I look at that. I think he's way overpaid based on the value. That he brings to the franchise and again i'm throwing in just a random number at you without studying this to me uh, he's more of a a 20 to low 20s as opposed to a 30 million dollar player that's that's how i see that
3: okay and i guess do you see that's a it's a problem with the nba with the small markets it sets them behind they have to overpay to keep somebody on their team that may be the best thing they can get like how does that problem get fixed
1: uh, it gets fixed by general managers making sure that they don't make mistakes. I mean, I, I really, it really gets right down to that. It puts the immense pressure on the person that's making the decision. And again, I don't know if uh, Vivek made the decision or Monday McNair to give De'Aaron Fox a, a max deal. If you put a gun in my head, I would probably say it was Vivek. But the, the, it means you can't make a mistake if you're a small market team. You cannot make a mistake. Just like you can't make a mistake when you pass up a generational talent like Luka Doncic. I mean, that sets your franchise back a number of years. How many years? Maybe we're going to find out, but it, it may set your franchise back 10 years. Okay. When you pass up on a generational talent like Luka Doncic, it can set your franchise back 10 years.
3: What was the overall consensus with Luka? during that whole process? Because obviously, you know, you were on the radio. It was Marvin or Luca, Marvin or Luca. You know, like, what was the balance there behind the scenes, if you don't mind sharing?
1: Well, the balance was exactly what you were just talking about. The Kings at that point had made a commitment to De'Aaron Fox. They felt that they had themselves a franchise-caliber point guard, somebody that would be not only the present but the future and would be able to take the team to great heights. And they felt that with only one basketball on the floor, that Luka Doncic and Darren Fox would not be able to play together. And they felt that the fit with Marvin Bagley was better. That's really what it boiled down to. It wasn't like they didn't feel Luka Doncic would be a good player, although I will share with you, nobody in the King's front office thought that Luka Doncic would be nearly as good as he has been. All right, I would also tell you, very few people in the NBA thought that. Because if they thought that, he would have gone number one to Phoenix. And if the Kings still took Marvin Bagley, the Atlanta Hawks would have never traded with Dallas and they would have taken Luka Doncic over Trey Young. So you know, I think we also have to acknowledge that no one thought he was going to be this good with the exception of maybe Dallas, because they're the ones that made the trade moving up from five to three and a first round pick. Now, they didn't technically move up. They just had a prearrangement. But I think a lot of people lose sight of that. You know, everybody talks about Luca, this, Luca, that. Again, there were were three front offices in the NBA, okay? Three entire scouting departments in the NBA. Phoenix, Sacramento, and Atlanta. Nobody in those organizations felt that Luka Doncic was going to be as good as he is now. If they felt that, they would have all taken him, right? I don't think we can disagree on that. They would have taken him. The Phoenix Suns, as good as DeAndre Ayton has been, he's not Luka Doncic. Trey Young, as good as he's been, is not Luka Doncic, okay? And I'm aware that Trey Young is an all-star, has had that type of impact on the Atlanta Hawks. But if you ask the Atlanta Hawks right now, if they can go back and have that draft done all over again, would they take the trade with Dallas? They would say, hell no. Even though they get a first-round pick out of it, they would take, Luka Doncic. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. I don't know why so many people, when we talk about Luka, seem to gloss over that. There are three teams that made mistakes with Luka Doncic. Three. That That's
3: an excellent point, Grant, because, you know, it, it we talk about the Kings and the run through 2002, I mean, up to 2006. But I get so aggravated when everybody talks about that and thinking about the other teams pass them up then or passed up Luca. That, that couldn't be more accurate. I just, you know, as a Kings fan, I don't know where we go from here. I mean, I, I hope we're on the right w- road. I'm really encouraged by Monty and what he's doing. I mean, sure, he's made mistakes. But, you know, I look at the Western Conference, and I, I just don't see where we fit in. I mean, it, it even, let's say Keegan balls out, and these guys have great chemistry. Mike Brown comes in defensive coach. We put a good, I, I think the Kings have to have an up-tempo offense. There's no doubt about that. The best years they've had during our worst years is when they played up-tempo under Dave Yeager. So I, I, I don't know. I, where do we go from here? It, 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 what, what do you think? I mean, how do we get out of this rut other than draft picks and making moves?
1: Well, as I said, I, I, I hate to keep on going back to De'Aaron Fox, but if De'Aaron Fox plays at a level when he's playing really well, in other words, we talk. let's take the best of De'Aaron Fox, okay? If he plays like that, 85% of the time, the Kings are going to be in the playoffs next year. That's my opinion, but I, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, now, being in the playoffs is one thing, but being a team like Memphis – is another thing. And when I'm using Memphis because they were Sacramento only a short period of time ago, and now look at them. So look at the impact that Morant has had on that team. Now, I also am well aware that the Grizzlies had a good record when Morant was hurt, but, I mean, Morant has really been, you know, a, a strong, strong presence in that franchise. That's what it boils down to to me because I'm with you. I, I just don't see this team still being good enough uh, to compete with a lot of teams in the Western Conference. I just don't.
3: Yeah, I mean, Sacramento's very optimistic. We support the team, good or bad, but it, it's getting to the point where, you know, it's something's got to change, whether it's effort or just being close. I mean, we were close a few years ago, right? What year was that?
1: Uh, well, Dave Yeager's final year. Uh, also, when the lockout, uh, excuse me, when the season was uh, came to a screeching abrupt halt because of COVID, the Kings were getting ready to play New Orleans that night on ESPN. And uh, the Kings had just gone through a stretch where they had won 13 of 20 games and had pulled to within uh, uh, distance of the playoffs and had the tiebreaker with Portland, who was ahead of them and had uh, two more games left, I believe, or one more game left with Portland. They had already had the tiebreaker uh, with another team that was in the mix and boom, you know. That, I think that year, I think they would have had a good chance of being being eighth. And then the other year was Dave Yeager's last year with Sacramento when they won thirty nine games. They didn't play well in the final few weeks of the season, but they were at least, you know, people were talking about them possibly being in the playoffs. Those are the two years that stick out to me. That's
3: right. Yeah, you completely refreshed my memory on that. I remember that. What was that like at that
1: game, Grant? When you know, COVID. Well, I was- remember I. I'll tell you, I remember doing my radio show and I remember hearing about, uh, and I can't remember specifically, but I made a comment on the air about 4.30 that afternoon. And I said, if an NBA player tests positive for COVID, the season will come to a halt. And literally three hours later, I remember standing on the court, and the referees were not on the court. And I'm like, "God, what the hell is going on?" And then there was some some rumblings, and then all of a sudden, somebody came up to me and said, "They heard that one of the officials had tested positive, and had just been in Utah the game before the Kings, and they were playing in New Orleans, who the Kings were playing that night, and." I said, I said to my producer over the earpiece, I said, there's no way the game's going to be played tonight. And he goes, why? And I said, because one of the refs who was doing the Jazz Pelicans game has tested positive for COVID, and there's no way they're going to allow this game to be played. And if you remember, the NBA had already decided that they were putting a halt to the other games, but the Kings game was still going to be played because of what had happened earlier with the Oklahoma City Jazz game. Remember, all right? And I'll tell you this. What's that? Sorry. And I also, I I had Craig, oh no, I had Craig Bowlerjack on my podcast a couple of months ago. He was the TV announcer. He's the TV announcer for the Jazz. And he talked about what it was like being in Oklahoma City, getting ready to announce that game when Rudy Gobert tested positive. But what I remember the most is I knew that there would be no game when I was getting ready to go on the air. That there just would not be a game played. That's what I remember.
3: Was it was it a weird atmosphere in the arena where the players? Yes. nervous about that because I would imagine coming off of what was going on in Oklahoma City, because they announced no more games were likely going to be played. And I mean, right, that was going to be a big game for the Kings with the Pelicans, like you mentioned. So I can only imagine. I mean, do you think the players were comfortable going on the court that night? I mean,
1: we didn't know enough at that time. We obviously know now, but. No, no, I don't think they were, I don't think they were comfortable after, uh, when the news started breaking. No, I don't, I don't think anybody was comfortable because we knew nothing really compared to what we know now. We knew, well, we still don't know a lot. Um, we didn't, we knew, we knew nothing really about COVID, uh, other than the fact that, you know, people were losing their lives over it. And I think anytime you have any type of, Virus, disease, cult, whatever you want. This is a virus uh, that can take your life. Of course, it's going to make you nervous. So I just think everybody was on edge. I think it was uh, uh, very, everyone was very apprehensive. So, hey, listen, man, I appreciate it. Good conversation today. Uh, enjoy the rest of your evening uh, and we'll talk to you again soon.
3: You too. Thanks, Grant. Enjoy your uh, favorite all-star game.
1: Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. <laughs> bye-bye. bye-bye. Um, yeah, that was Yeah, I mean, I'll never forget that. That was, I'll never forget it either. It was my last time in the Golden One Center. Now that I think about it, I didn't even really think about it until just now. That was the last time I I remember walking out of the building and there's no way, no way that anyone could have envisioned what our lives were going to be like for the next several months. I, I don't could, I, could 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 you have forecasted that that night that we were going to basically be confined to our homes and that people would not be going to work anymore and that so many places would be closed and that you wouldn't be able to go into a restaurant and sit down and have a meal, right? Think about that. Think about that night that season came to a screeching halt. There is no way anyone could have predicted that. No way. All right, let's get to some more phone calls right here on Listen App. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going
2: to make him an offer
1: he can't refuse. With family
0: in that
4: case, I pronounce you lucky.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com.
0: Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: And we say hello to Eli. Hey, Eli, how are you? Hey, Grant. Good. How are you doing? I'm good, buddy. Thank you.
4: Hey, um, this just got me to reminiscing because I remember that that day, um, that game that was supposed to happen but never did because I think I remember you courtside right before – It was called and, you know, we found out there was going to be no game. So it brought me down memory lane and, you know, a lot of emotions, obviously. Um, I was going to ask you uh, that stretch where the Kings were, I think you said 13 wins out of 20 games at that point before all that went down. What was your assessment? Did you think at that point that the Kings had like a 50 50 shot of a potential playoff run at that point where you're less optimistic than that?
1: Uh, I was probably 50-50, maybe even a little bit higher based on the way the Kings had been playing. Uh, I thought they had been playing their their best basketball and their schedule was very favorable, favorable and their tiebreakers were favorable. So I thought it was a realistic uh, chance. And plus, Portland was sliding. They were not playing well. And I thought that was the Kings' best chance.
4: Wow. That's crazy to think about. So many alternate universe scenarios we could imagine you know had things gone differently had there been no pandemic obviously and you know if they had yep. ended up making a playoff push that year and if you had still been there there's just so many <laughs> there's so many scenarios you can think in your head and it's really well i'll tell you
1: this i remember goes. that i i remember the build-up for that game that night on espn and i would say it was the most excited kings fans had been in a long time you know not only were they're going to see Zion Williamson and the Pelicans and the Kings on national TV. But it was a big game in March. The Kings don't play a lot of big games in March. And it was a big game. And fans were genuinely excited with how good the Kings had played going 13-7 and seven in their previous 20. And so I remember that as, as well. That it was, The fans were genuinely excited with the direction that the team had been going.
4: Yeah, see, I don't even remember the exact details of that, but it's coming back a little bit now that you mention it. That's uh, that's yeah. really sad to think about. It's really, uh, you got almost- like <laughs> Yes, it is. Kind of There's some kind of uh, intangible curse behind the scenes, right? Yeah.
1: Gee, in <laughs> Sacramento and with the verge. Kings? No. With the Kings? <laughs> <Yeah>. No. <laughs> right. Just yeah. when
4: you're on the verge, a global pandemic takes you out from contention.
1: Right? <laughs> so oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah, very true. Yeah and the last time
4: we saw you on the air of course which is you know depressing on its own as well so you know
1: what can you i didn't do, even huh? think about that yeah you know what it's funny i didn't it, it, i didn't even think about that until just a moment ago right before you came on that was the last time i mean you if you had told me as i was walking out of the arena that night with my wife and son that i would never be back at the golden one center i would say wow i'm gonna die You know, I was like, wow, I want to be in an accident or I'm going to, no, really. I mean, seriously, if somebody, if you had told me this is the last time you're ever going to be in this arena, I would say, oh my God, I'm going to die. Right. I mean, what else would I say? And I'm actually don't even know what to say right now because I'm just thinking about it. Walking out of the arena now. Yeah. That's the last time, last time, last time. I remember saying goodbye to a lot of the people that work in the arena, uh, those down uh beneath the arena when i mean beneath the arena outside of the lounges the locker room security i remember saying hey take care hopefully we'll see you soon hey stay safe i remember saying that stay safe uh hey take care hopefully we'll see you soon hey john take care uh hey alice listen take care stay safe you know i mean you know you'd see these same people every game year after year and you just wanted to make sure you knew that hey Take care. You know, we hope to see you soon. I remember walking out into the parking lot in the bizarre atmosphere as people were getting into their cars in the garage. And I remember just talking about with other people, gee, what do you think is going to happen? Gee, when do you think the season's what what do you think is going to happen? And I'm like, I have no idea. You know, Mm -hmm. it was kind of an eerie feeling walking out of that building that night. But really eerie now, when I think about that, the last time I was at the Golden One Center.
4: Yeah, and if someone had told, to, told you it was your last uh, last time there, you would have assumed the worst was the virus, probably, not the after effects and, you know, the social unrest that resulted as, in my opinion, as a result of the lockdowns and everything that came after that. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about all the effects of COVID that are not just due to the virus itself, but basically it's a the, great point. Effect, the indirect effects. It's a great it, point because I actually believe, you know, maybe it's a controversial take, but I think had people not been locked down, things wouldn't have gotten so out of hand with the social unrest, and that wouldn't have spiraled over to the situations like the one you found yourself in. So
1: that's just my opinion. Very, very, very very possible. Uh, Eli, always good hearing from you. I really appreciate it. You take care of yourself. All right. Have a good night, Grant. All right. Thank you. All right. I know uh, there is a uh, all-star game going on. Uh, We got an hour in the book. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll wrap up the show for today. And I look forward to being back with you tomorrow on Open Forum Wednesday. Have yourself a great day. Thank you very much for listening to Grant Napier here on Listen Up.